Have you turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis in the first chapter? Should be easy to find, way at the front. Genesis chapter 1. I don't know if I have anything in your bulletins or not. Starting a new little mini-series. Um, I don't really know what to call this. I've got uh, kind of rambling ideas of where I want to go. So I went with Missio Dei because, you know, I like to pull out fancy words. That is Latin uh, for basically the mission of God or God's mission. Missio, Latin for mission. Dei uh, is the Latin word for God. We have deism is a belief in a God. So Missio Dei, God's purpose or his purpose and plan and our place in it. So we're going to be taking a few weeks to just look at explore this idea. And, uh, but I'd like to read a text to kind of, and we'll get back to it here eventually. But let's read Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26 through the end of the chapter. One, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Grass withers, flower fades. Word of our God stands forever. So, Missio Day, a little mini-series, as I said, we're going to be working through, starting with kind of just these few questions. What are we doing here? What are, what are we doing here? And I want you to think about these. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out lots of questions this morning, and I want you to, to think about them and to contemplate, what are we doing here? Why are we here? And maybe more personally, you might ask, What am I to be doing? What am I doing here? What are we, this church, what are we doing here? Why are we here? What are, and then more specifically, what are we to be doing? It doesn't matter if you're nine years old or if you're 90 years old. This is a question you should be asking. What am I to be doing? Why am I here? What is going on? It's not just a question for 20-year-olds who are trying to figure their life out and explore what's going on and what am I supposed to be doing next. It's a question for all of us. In this moment, at this time, right now, why are we here? Why is this church here? In this time, right here, right now, 2019, why is this church here? And, And then more specifically, at this time, right now, whatever stage you're at in your life, what are, what are you doing here? 
What is your life about? What, where, what are you going towards? What are you to be doing? And how you answer that question will be directly influenced by what it is you think God is doing. Those questions will come hand in hand. If, if what are you to be doing has great, is greatly influenced by what you see and know God to be doing. If you have a clear picture of what God is doing, what God is up to, then that really begins to influence what is it that I'm supposed to be doing. If we ignore God and His plan, if we ignore, ignore the missio day, if we ignore God's mission, well, then it really just becomes a question of what do you want to be doing? What am I to be doing? Well, I don't know. Let me figure out what I want to do today. And that's what I'm going to do. But if you have a strong view, a strong understanding of who God is and what he is doing, then how you answer the question of what should I be doing and what should this church be doing, what are we here for, takes on a whole different direction based upon what it is that God is doing. If you can be convinced that God is still doing something and that his people are the primary instrument through which he does his work, if you can be convinced God is still doing something and his people are the primary instrument through which he does his work, then your very presence means that God has something more to do through you and in you. If you are here this morning, that just your very presence, and you are, I don't know why I said that's a dumb that's a dumb thing. If you're here this morning, you are, here you all are. Since you are here this morning, that means something very specifically, that God still has something to do in you and through you. God is still accomplishing his purposes, and God's primary means of doing that is through his people. And so God is still working and he has, because you are here, he has more to do through you and in you. Well, what could that be? What could that be? What could it be that God has yet to do? And it depends again on what we see God to be doing. Let me ask more questions. Just go throw a few of them out here. Is God done working at Mount Air First Christian Church? How do you think of what God is doing here? How do you think? Are, are the best days for the first Christian church back there? You know, and I, and I talk to a lot of people, you know, and, and, and there are many good things that have happened at this church. And we will get in conversations and remember when X, Y, Z. Remember the day that we had this or, or this thing was going on. And, and it can paint a picture, an idea of somehow the good times for the first Christian church were, were then. Do you believe, do you have any expectation, are, are there, is there a good future for the first Christian church? And what does that look like? Or are the best days behind us? Do you have active expectations? I mean, this is, I'm, I'm being very personal this morning. We've got it's a nice family group here this morning. Are our best days back there? Or are, is it possible that God is still doing something at Mount Air First Christian Church and still wants to accomplish a purpose? And if so, then what is it? And do we come on a Sunday morning with expectations that 
God is alive and doing something in Mount Air, and he, he may be foolish enough to be doing it through us. <laughs> is God still on the move, or are our best days behind us? I have a question to put up on the, on the screens here. Are we a monument church from a past mission, or a church on mission from a past monumental moment? Churches kind of go through these different seasons, and I can't remember who I first heard it from. They talk about a movement to a monument to a museum. Churches start out as, as a movement. The, the gospel is heard. Everyone's fired up. They, people are getting saved. And there's a real big movement, a big push of excitement for Christ and who he is and what he's done. And then they, they go through these glory days. And then they become a monument where they want to make sure that what, what's gone on isn't forgotten. So they, they start putting in structures to keep a hold of what once was. And then they go from movements to monuments to museums where they, all they can do is talk about what once was. And there's no more movement. There's no more even monument of building uh, structures around good things that were, that were just recent history. They become museums. Well, I want you to think about it. Are we a monument church from a past mission, God has done amazing things. God has had his will. I mean, good things have gone on in this church. Is our point to become a monument to the things that once happened? Or are we still to be a church that is a church on a mission? Flowing from monumental moments. And I would roll all of those back to the accomplishment of the gospel, that there's been these monumental moments in real history that push us forward on mission. In 1884, I've been doing some research on our church. 1884, 135 years ago, America was a fascinating place. Joseph Smith was pretending to read uh, uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs on uh, golden tablets he didn't possess. Uh, there, Charles Taze Russell, the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses, was learning all of, was coming out with all of his new teachings. Uh, the Millerites, where we get the Seventh-day Adventists. The, lots of spiritual explosion was going on in America in, in the 1880s. And in 1884, 135 years ago, here in Mount Air, a group of people got together and formed First Christian Church 135 years ago. That means none of you are here. And you may think you're 135 years old. You're not. I know it. None of you are here. None of this church belongs to any of the individuals here. A group of individuals got together. It was a place built for basic Christianity to flourish. Not Methodism, not Presbyterianism. Not Catholicism, but just basic Christianity. We, 135 years later, here we are. Church does not belong to any one of us. It belongs to all of us. And the person in charge of the church is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. And so we have to ask the question, what does he want to do here? Is he done here? Or is there something more that God wants to do? And if so, then what is our role within that mission? And in order for us to get our bearings and to see what it is that God would be doing with us, I think we first need to look, what has God been doing all along? If we're going to really discover, and I hope over the next few weeks you stick it out with me, to think about what could we, what are we doing here? And you individually. I, I mean, I'm trying to be as personal as I can. Each one of you. No joke, I don't care if you're 9 or if you're 90. You've got a role 
for the mission of God right here in Mount Air, right here in Ringle County in 2019? What is it? Well, that is going to relate exactly to what it is God has been doing all along. So we're going to try to discover what is it that God has been doing so that we can learn and and understand and get excited, hopefully, about what it is God could be doing in us. Some movements get caught up in, oh, God's doing a new thing, right? We're trying to discover some new uh, incredible movement. Some, uh, those tend to get really wacky. Some new thing God is doing. Um, God has been in this business. He's been on his mission for a long time. And what we're trying to discover is not some new, trendy, incredible, neat mission. We're trying to discover the same old, once-for-all, delivered faith. We're looking for that mission that God has always been on to join Him in what He has always been doing. Not trying to create some new mission of our own, but to join in with God on what He has been doing all along. When I first preached, I, I had to look this up. I wasn't sure when it was. It was... I filled in back in June of 2015, right before Jana was born, before the Bible study even started. I filled in in one June. And the text that I preached on was Jude, verses 1 through 4. And Jude 3 is that verse speaking about Jude was going to teach one thing. And then he says, but I decided to proclaim to you once again the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That there is this ancient message, there is this one central message, not some new thing, but the same old thing God has been doing throughout his dealings in real space time in the history of this world. What is that mission? That's what we want to grab a hold of. Not what new thing can First Christian Church think up to do. What has God been on a mission for in the world? And how do we get on board with what God wants to do right here? So with that, we jump way back. Yes, to Genesis chapter 1. Believe it or not, God starts all of this with a purpose, with a point. Story begins with nothing but God and then everything. Now there's nothing. Darkness covers the water. Spirit's hovering. God speaks everything comes into being. Now we could get bogged down into all the details and arguments that come up with creation. We're not going to deal with all of that. Just saying enough, God makes it all. That's controversial enough today. God creates everything. Everything that is, is made by him and made through Christ. God has made these things. He has then, we learn later in the end of chapter one and chapter two, God creates man on the sixth day. We learn later on in chapter two, he makes man first, creates Eve from his rib, man and male and woman, male and female. God creates them. God makes man and woman in the garden and he gives them a mission, right? We read it. We read the mission, verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. They are created special, separate, distinct from all other creation. They are made in the image of God. God breathes into them. They are made in the image of God. They are little reflectors of who God is. They are to show forth the character of God the majesty of God, the wisdom of God. They are to to shine forth as little image bearers, God to the world. They are to to glorify God in a very real way. Everything glorifies God. We look at nature uh, like a Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. 
Last night, I, I, I was out in the heat all day yesterday. Yes, I work on Saturdays, and it was terrible, and I was dumping buckets of sweat. But about 6.30, I knew that cold front was coming through, and I wanted to be outside for it. I wanted to experience the cold. So I went out with the kids, and I, I was out there for 30, 40 minutes in the heat, sweating still, just waiting for that front to come through. And I don't know if you were outside that is one of the most fun things to feel in the summer is to be out with all that heat and humidity and then just to feel the cool air just come in. Isn't that, it's just amazing what God has done and the order that comes in a world that sometimes looks like such chaos. There can be that just a line in the universe, in the world that heat goes and coolness comes. It's, it's, it's glorious. It truly is a Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. It's amazing. Then boom, cracks of lightning and thunder and everyone's scattering to get everything inside as the rain comes. In many ways, the world, the heavens declare the glory of God. But especially, God has made image bearers to shine forth his glory as little reflectors of his glory. God has made image bearers who reflect him in a unique and special way on the earth. They were made, Isaiah 43, 7 says, that he has made man to glorify him. So then the purpose of these glorifiers is to multiply glorifiers. Way back at the beginning, God makes man in his image. And what's he tell them to do? Spread, multiply, Multiply glorifiers. I have that, I think, up on the board that we are to multiply glorifiers. We are to enjoy and glory. We are to be joy and glory multipliers. Enjoying God, glorifying God, and spreading that enjoyment of Him and that glorifying of Him right there in Genesis chapter 1. Now, that isn't just a placeholder in the narrative, like, oh, well, we got to start this story somehow, so I guess we'll just uh, we'll talk about these people that God made. Uh, it's just a placeholder. No. That's, that's, that's telling us the purpose and plan of God. His purpose is to create those who will enjoy Him and glorify Him and for them to spread over all of the earth. His plan is to multiply his glory through his people, his little glorifiers, multiplying. This will produce their joy in him as God is their greatest treasure. And it will further his receiving of glory as the, the good news of this God. And as they multiply and grow and spread throughout the world, the joy in God is increased because they know him. And he's glorified because people are recognizing him as the supreme treasure. God's purpose is his glory. And his plan is to secure a people for himself who in their enjoyment of him will increase his glory. We are joy and glory multipliers. God's purpose is his glory. And his plan then is to secure a people for himself who in their enjoyment of him will increase his glory. We are to be from Genesis 1:26, joy and glory multipliers. After this, we go, we're going to go real quick now. Just We're not going very far, I promise. But Genesis chapter 3, we have the fall of man. And, and mankind, that, that image gets broken. So Genesis, the fall of man. It seems there God's plan is ruined. He was going to have joy and glory multipliers. And then they sin, they transgress. And the plan's ruined, isn't it? But 
And it does get darker. I mean, murder of Cain, murder comes along next, Cain and Abel, and then everything gets so bad. Chapter six, we have Noah and the flood. We, or we have the flood and God determines to destroy everything except one family. He secures one people. In Genesis chapter six, uh, uh, we, we hear about this reality of Noah finds favor with God. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Everything should be ruined. But because God's purpose and plan is His glory through many, through a people that He secures for Himself to enjoy Him and glorify Him, He saves Noah and his family. And they come out. They, they survive the flood. Noah and his family alone. And then we see this interesting refrain in Genesis chapter 8, verse 17. Bring out with you, this is God speaking to Noah after the flood, bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds, animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, his sons and his, went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wife with him. Everything that, every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. There is this refrain, multiply, fill the earth. Enjoying God, glorifying Him, multiply. So what makes the Tower of Babel as we move on in the narrative of Genesis that makes the Tower of Babel so terrifying? What's the problem with the Tower of Babel? They, they build this giant building and what are they doing it for? To make a name for themselves. God's purpose and His plan is to create a people who will enjoy Him and glorify Him. And what do they do at Babel? They say, let's build a tower for us. It's very interesting. If you read it, they cover it with, with, a, with the same things they cover the ark with. They cover the Tower of Babel. They're going to try to survive the next flood. <laughs> They're going to survive the next judgment. They're going to build a tower for themselves. They're going to build a tower for themselves. 11, chapter 11, verse 4, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. They lost God's plan and God's purpose. They're not about enjoying God and glorifying Him. They're about making a name for themselves. Surely that's the end of it. I mean, I mean there's, there should be, if you just take a, gen, a, a, a blind read of Genesis, you think, well, God is not getting His plan done at all. <laughs> He's terrible at this thing. It, it keeps going wrong. Surely, after the Tower of Babel, it confuses the language, spreads them all out. Probably done. But then we read the end of chapter 11. And Terah's descendants, and one of them is named Abram. Now that's going on to chapter 12. God calls Abraham. He's going to, we're going to see in the next coming weeks, how God's plan and purpose is continued out throughout history. He has a plan and a purpose to create, to secure for himself a people who in their enjoyment of him will increase his glory. They are to be joy and glory multipliers of God. If that's God's plan all of those years ago and we're asking what God wants right here, right now, we have to ask, has he really changed his plan all that much? Has he changed his plan? I don't think he has. I don't think he has. We're going to keep tracing that theme through Scripture. But what I would like for us to grab hold of, of us today is the conviction God is still working today. He has a purpose. 
his own glory. And the plan is through people enjoying him that his glory would increase and they would go and they would multiply that glorifying God and that enjoyment of him. His work is in gathering a people for himself to glorify him and to spread the knowledge and enjoyment of him in every corner of his world. Now we know more of this story. We'll get to it. These people are going to eventually all be brought to God through the mediator, Jesus Christ. He's going to secure his people through the one man, the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, who is Jesus Christ. He's going to secure his people through him. We know the more of this story, but I would really like us to consider this morning, as you leave, to think about, do you really believe, is God finished working in Ringgold County? I'll be honest with you. I think we live sometimes like pretty much everything that's going to be done is done. And we're just writing out the rest of it. I feel like some of we we get saved and it's almost like we take early retirement (laughs) in Christianity. Yeah, I'm I'm all right. I'm happy where I am. My life's pretty good. Things are going all right. Eh, I think if God's finished, I'm okay with that because I'm doing all right. We have lost in many ways this mission. Answer the question. Do you think God is finished in Wrinkle County? If you think he is, I hope you feel conviction. God isn't done. That's why we're still here. That's why he still has Christians. That's why this church is still existing, I believe, to continue that mission that God has been on. So if you think it is, I hope that brings conviction. And so then you'll decide, you know what? God can't be done because here I still am. But then it leads you to the next question. Okay, if he's not done, what does that mean for you? Not, and not pull out, what does it mean for the church in Darren? No, you. God is securing himself a people. God is not finished working. Why? Because you and I are still here. That means, one, God is still at work in drawing his children closer to him and to glorify him. God's desire is your joy. And one of his plans, one of his purposes, one of, that he is working is increasing your joy in him. God is still at work in this way, drawing you to himself. God desires our sanctification, our holiness, our godliness. And until we arrive at the eternal state, God is at work in his children. So God is still at work because we are not perfected yet. He's still working on us. It means that we are still being worked on. And it also means that God desires the knowledge of him to be put on display and shared throughout every corner of the globe. And I know we're out in the middle of nowhere, but yes, even this corner, even Mount Air. <laughs> Even out of the way, not air, God's plan and purpose is to fill the world with his glory. That means that not only is God calling us to himself closer to him, but also out to a community that does not know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Two takeaway questions. We're going to be focusing on this throughout the series. The first question is this. Are you growing in your walk with God? Are you being drawn near? Is your joy in Christ increasing? If not, why not? I hope you care enough to to consider that question. If you don't feel like your growth in godliness, if you don't feel like your joy in Jesus is increasing, I hope you have the integrity to, to be concerned about that. God is drawing you closer to himself. If not, why not? And 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 if so, how is it increasing? God is at the work of drawing you nearer to himself. Let's work at it, and we're going to talk more about this, but then I want you just to ask the question. 
God's move is you closer to him. And if you're not, that's not happening, hope you're concerned. Let's figure out why. Second question, if, are you growing, first is, are you growing with your walk in God? The second question is, are you sharing the goodness of God with those around you? I don't mean in some, you know, generic, sterilized way. It, I mean, and we should have God talk. I'm not trying to put down God talk. But specifically, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time you actually had a conversation about Jesus and what he has done to save that person from their sins? And if that's not happening, is God's plan and purpose going forward or is it stagnating? So I want you to take those two questions. Are you drawing closer to God? Are you witnessing, testifying, sharing the goodness of God with those around you? That is how we join God on his mission. God has a mission of drawing people to him, uh, securing a people for himself, increasing their joy in him and spreading his glory throughout the world in their joy in him. Are you a part of that mission? And I'm calling you to come in. Let's have First Christian Church be a part of that mission that God is accomplishing. God is on a mission. Maybe you've never been walking with him. Today is your day. If that sounds totally foreign, you're like, I have no idea what Darren is saying, any of this stuff. Today's your day to start that. To increase, to find joy in Christ alone through his work on the cross. Taking the punishment you deserve, like our catechism talked about. Taking your judgment upon himself that you might know him and be reconciled to him. Maybe you've grown cold in your walk with him. Today is the day to get that reignited, to join him in his mission. God is on the move because that is who he is. There is a missio day. There is a move of God. There is a mission of God. My desire is that we at First Christian Church would recognize that mission is not over. And we want to join him in what he is doing. So this morning as we come to communion, I pray that we do it in joy over the God who is working on us and for us and through us for our joy in him and for the spread of his glory in the world. Let's pray. Father, I pray that whatever we've covered here this morning that is beneficial for those hearing God, that you would just increase that benefit in them. Father, I pray that you would be drawing every heart in this room right now this morning, myself included, God, increasing our joy in you, bringing conviction over our apathy and stagnation, God. I pray you would increase our expectation. I pray, Father, that we would look to you as the God who is still on the move. And if we're not on the move, the problem may not be, and most likely, and I'd say is not, that you're not on the move, God. It's that we are not joining you in your mission. So, Father, convict us in this place this morning. And I pray that even as we come to communion, we would know that we can take our apathy, our refusal to, to go with you. We can bring that to you. Ask, Father, for forgiveness and refreshing. And you are a God who will always answer that promise. Move in every heart in this place this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.